Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Steel Curtain Network? Welcome back to The Hangover with myself, Daniel J., and Shannon White. Shannon, how you doing, my man? I'm just excited to be here. Uh, it's it's actually here in West Virginia. It's actually sunny, but it's cooler. You know, we're gonna get up. We're gonna get some better weather later in the week, but it's it's pretty chilly today. Yeah, that, that the same thing happened this morning in, in in Texas. I woke up and it was pretty warm this weekend, and I was like, yeah. "What's going on? We got no, we got no cold fronts. <laughs> Are the poles shifting? What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah. But uh, we got another great show for everybody today. Today we're talking about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously, uh, to take a line from Coach Tomlin. But we're also talking about the draft and and a few other things. But before we get into it, the Steelers finally made official uh, the signing of former. 100th overall pick, third rounder uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders linebacker Tanner Moose. And they have claimed Brandon Mann, punter from the New York Jets. Uh, what were your first thoughts when, when you saw the uh, Tanner Moose signing, uh, another another linebacker being brought in? Well, you know, I was he was kind of a draft crusher of mine uh-huh. uh, back when he came out because the Steelers, I was really wanting them to get a hybrid an inside linebacker safety hybrid that they could use in a lot of their sub packages. You know, they tried Marcus Allen at that and it didn't work. And Muse has actually got four, four, one speed and he has real intensity. I mean, he attacks the ball. And so, you know, he played for Clemson was on a national championship team and he's a underrated athlete. But I see it coming out, you know, probably a fifth-round pick. And the way the Steelers, I could foresee them using him, that he would have been a really good pick. We ended up going in the third round uh, because the Raiders just, you know, took him way early. So I was I was happy for the kid, but he got hurt. 
his rookie year never played a down, kind of like C.A. Uh, uh, Calvin Austin this year right. for the Steelers. And then for the Seahawks, you know, he's had a couple years mainly special teams. Right. And, uh, and they used him a little bit in some sub packages and everything. But the way that defense was set up, he wasn't a good fit. But I think here in Pittsburgh, I think he'll make the team as a special teams guy, replacing, you know, your Marcus Allen and Derek Watts, um, you know, guys like that. Um, and I can see him getting in, getting some work in, in them sub packages. I need to, I need to, I thought that this was a uh, interesting move, you know, especially after the Pittsburgh Steelers had already signed two interior, you know, linebackers. And then there was the rumors coming out about Devin White and was, you know, asking for a trade and, and, you know, everybody that's wearing black and gold was jumping up and down thinking, Hey, maybe that's the next guy. Right. Um, do you think that with this signing, does that exclude the Steelers possibly trading for Devin White and or a, a, attacking the inside linebacker position in the top four rounds? Or do you think that uh, this kind of gives them a leeway of addressing other positions? I, I still would like to see the Steelers. If a guy, again, I'm a big Jack Campbell fan, mm-hmm. and I would love to see them bring him in. I think that with his style of play, his intensity, I think the fan base would fall in love with him, and I could see him for the next decade roaming the middle of the field as a buck linebacker for the Steelers. And then they can address the Mac, you know, with, with the guys they've got. They they would really have an impressive inside linebacker group if they take a, uh, one early, uh, let's say the second round. I think Jack Campbell will be a day two option. There is some later options uh, if they want to go – another guy who's more of a Mac sub package specialist, but they kind of, they kind of already have that now with Muse. So it's going to be interesting, but I, I, I would like to see him consider a guy like Jack Campbell, but uh, you know, it remains to be seen. They, they really went out of their way to make sure they had no glaring weaknesses mm-hmm. that where they have to pull a trigger right. uh, at a certain position to give themselves more flexibility. So, uh, it's just, we're just going to wait and see. We got 10 more days, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's getting close. It's getting close at this point. I'd be singing the 10 days to the draft instead of 10 (laughs) days to Christmas. Um, it's exciting. You know, the Steelers are making some, you know, there's some rumors sprung up, but punter Brandon, man, you know, I thought, you know, claiming him off of waivers, uh, was a good move to give some competition to Presley Harvin. You know, uh, Presley, he has a strong leg, and he's he can boom some punts, but consistency has kind of been his issue. And that's been kind of the, the issue for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers punter punters uh, for the last couple of years. Now, Brandon Mann is a guy also who, from what I understand, has a big leg, but also lacks in the consistency part. Um, do you think there's a possibility he can overtake Presley Harvin, or do you think this is just for, you know, filling in for somebody, you know, get another leg in there for camp and preseason? Well, the fact that they put in the waiver claim for him, to me, leads me to believe that it's a competition. Yeah. They could have waited to see if anybody claimed him and then signed him, you know, but putting in the waiver claim, I believe it shows that they are interested. It sends a message to Harvin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you root for Harvin, and you like Harvin. Uh, we all do. But he's so inconsistent. And it seems like when he shakes them, it's at the worst possible time, which was very similar to what the Steelers had with Jordan Berry. So, yeah. you know, 
we're all looking for a guy who can come in and consistently come through in the clutch. You know, punters and kickers got to be clutch just like quarterbacks, just yeah. like receivers. You know what I'm saying? And the Steelers haven't had a punt, a clutch punter, if I can say that right, a clutch punter in a long time. So, hey, competition will hopefully bring out the best of the two young men and the, let the best man win. I agree 100%. You know, I know the Steelers went out and they drafted Presley Harvin. They put a – they they use the draft pick on him. So that typically means that they got a lot of invested into you. And so they're going to give him the best opportunity to win this job. But I do agree with you. I think this is a competition and it, and it should be, you know, you can't give each, you know, every player needs to earn their position, including the specialist. And so I'm excited about, it. I'm excited to see maybe perhaps somebody that can flip fields and continually put teams in the opposite end of the end zone. You know, you look at a team like, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and their special teams abilities, especially kicking the ball. You know, they may not have the, uh, you know, they got a, a quarterback that can run and, you know, they don't really got a deep throw uh, threat there. Um, now that they have OJ, uh, Odo Beckham, maybe, maybe. But what they do have is a stout special teams that puts their teams, uh, opposite teams in some unfavorable positions. And they also allow them to make field goals or put up three points in almost every possession. And so, um, you know, the Steelers shoring up that aspect of the team and ensuring the, uh, the special teams aspect and forcing teams to go 80 plus yards on drives would be helpful, especially when it comes to this defense as well. And so <clears throat> some other news that came out, you know, prior to us, uh, you know, came out earlier this week was Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree signed with the Atlanta Falcons. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk there that he possibly could be coming back. Apparently, he was in talks with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the big big thing was, you know, the Steelers wanted to give him a multi year deal. He wanted a one year prove it deal. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you think that the Steelers are now? I felt like Bud Dupree was going to be a, they were putting quite a few eggs in that department to bring in an outside edge. Now I feel like they have a huge hole in the third, uh, you know, outside linebacker position. Um, what are your thoughts on one, Bud Dupree not signing with the Steelers and two, where do the Steelers go from here to fill that slot? I always stop just short of saying, you know, like some people saying it's a done deal and I can never say that because you know, you didn't know what his physical was going to reveal, and it sounds like everything was fine there. And then we find out that uh, a lot of it was – the main thing was the Steelers were offered two years, he wanted one year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to look at it. But if you remember the letter he wrote when he left Pittsburgh, and it was such a respectful, you know, thank you letter to all the fans and, and how much he appreciated uh, – the coaches, staff, and his teammates in the city. I know he loves Pittsburgh, and I know he'd like to come back. But we also got to remember he's from Georgia. Yeah. And so, you know, this is going home, and he gets to play on a team. He'll get more playing that because he don't have T.J. Watt or Alex Highsmith ahead of him. And he can really – he'll get more playing time, and he can show if he really is healthy and all the way back. And then – have this kind of one-year prove-it deal, to me, it made sense. And I'm not, you know, I wanted him to come back, but I have no uh, hard feelings or ill will towards him because I think he made the right decision. Right. But now the Steelers do have a hole there uh, with what they have right now, Quincy Roche and a, and a guy I can't even say his name. 
So um, they, I think they might, depending on how the draft falls, look at a draft pick. And then after the draft, if they if it doesn't fall like they want, they can always, you know, look at an outside free agent, you know, bring in on the cheap. But one thing we got to remember is Darvin Leal played some edge for the Steelers last year. And he done a very good job, especially against heavy packages, uh, of setting the edge and, and playing on the outside and, you know, filling those snaps and giving Watt and Hasmus some relief. So, especially if the Steelers go defensive line in this draft, you know, they quite possibly will have Leal come in at around 285 again and play him some on the edge. I agree. I agree. That was one of the things, you know, when – Leal got drafted last season. He was trying to bulk up and, and, you know, there was a lot of fans and, and local media that was saying that he needed to bulk up. But when they came down to actually talking to the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're like, no, you know, we, we drafted him where he's at and we liked his size. And so, you know, I felt that maybe he was going to be that tweener, that guy that could play on the outside that could come in. And, and he did a, he did a great job there. He also did that in uh, with AM when he was in college. And so not a lot, but he did. And he, I think that there's a possibility there. And I think that, um, you know, the Steelers are still going to have to look at somebody else. Uh, perhaps maybe now uh, it's not going to be a uh, six or, or fifth round pick. It might be a little bit sooner. We have a 499 super chat from Steeler Lee saying, uh, seems to me that once, once a Steeler leaves, there ain't no coming back. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds somewhat accurate. I know that perhaps, I mean, we can look at James Harrison as being a guy who was an outside linebacker who left and came back. Um, and he was a guy that left because the Steelers drafted, you know, uh, Jones, uh, Jarvis Jones. And, you know, we, we all know how that ended up going through and, <laughs> <laughs> and we needed, we needed Debo to come back. And so, um, I think if there's a, present need for that position and the Steelers are comfortable with who you are and they know who you are, they're going to bring you back. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to this situation here, I guess it came down to the business side with Bud and he was just not going to move forward without, you know, thinking that maybe perhaps at the age of 30 that he can have a year that's, um, that could give him a bigger contract next year. I don't know. I, I felt that the Steelers probably would have given him like no guarantees and it would have been basically a one-year deal anyways. What's up? Well, the one thing I would say is as far as the ex-Steelers coming back, you know, you've had Larry Foote, you've had William Gay, you've had, you know, different guys that fit. One is how they leave. If it was on amicable terms, they got a better deal. The Steelers couldn't match it, whatever that may be versus guys who leave and there was some bad blood there. Uh, like I think the Terrell Edmonds situation, it just got to where neither party had any interest anymore, obviously. Right. So, um, but I, I do think that where they, where they are right now, um, Bud Dupree got a five year, five million for one year. Mm -hmm. If he hits all his incentives and everything. The Steelers were not going to do one year five million, and if they would have, if, if the fan base would have been like, "Why are you giving five million dollars to the third, you know, your third edge guy?" Right. Because he, you know, then it would be like, "Well, he needs to play forty percent of the snaps to earn that," you know. So I just think that it, when you look at everything going home to Georgia, 
the five million, which is a million more than what I think the stores had, you know, been rumored to offer, and the one-year deal, I think it was the right decision. I do as well. I, I do as well. And so, <clears throat> moving forward, we're going to be talking about this upcoming draft. And the recent rumors that have been coming out from Peter King that the Steelers are at least considering moving up to the ninth position, trading with Chicago Bears um, if Jalen Carter falls to number nine and the Steelers, you know, the Steelers are planning on moving up for him. Um, first, foremost, let's uh, look at the player himself. Um, when it comes to Jalen Carter, he was a guy last year that had three sacks, 16 um, tackles, solo, 16 assisted, so 32. Seems like a run stuffer kind of guy. He's six foot three, 300 pounds. What are your thoughts initially? Is he, I think he's definitely deserving of the ninth overall pick, but to you, do you think he's deserving of the ninth overall pick plus whatever you have to give up to go up there and get him? Well, one thing to keep in mind about Carter. Me and you was talking before the show, we started the show here, that I'm actually writing an article about this very uh, subject. about Because right. I have great respect for Peter King. Mm -hmm. And he is an established legend. He doesn't have to create rumors or start rumors to, you know, for clickbait articles. Mm -hmm. What he says that he has connections, all these relationships he has built, with NFL front office executives over the decades. So if he says that I'm leaving, that there's some interest there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this draft class, Jalen Carter is the only guy at defensive tackle or on the defensive line, in my opinion, that could be considered a generational talent. Right. The only one. There's nobody else even close. Um, and when you look at the Steelers situation with Cameron Hayward, Getting he's closer to the end than he is the beginning, and then Oga Joby with his injury concerns, and then they've got some good situational role players in on their depth chart. It's time to bring in a guy, a generational talent for Hayward to mentor, right. and for Coach Dunbar to coach up, and so everybody is thinking Mike Tomlin will be that father figure like presence that a a very talented, but maybe immature young man like Carter needs. Right. So I had him off my first round draft board for the Steelers. He wasn't even on there as a possibility. Even if he'd have fell to 17, I was not interested because not even so much the, the decision-making and the immaturity, but the coming, showing up at his pro day and couldn't finish his workout. And he was looked pudgy and wasn't prepared that is a questionable work ethic. Right. And then with everything going on, teams outside the top 10 wanted him to come in for his pre-draft visits. And he said, no, if you're not in the going to be picking in the top 10, I'm not coming. Right. That shows a level of arrogance and a lack of self-awareness to the situation at hand. Teams are not wanting to, you know, put out guaranteed money because a portion of any rookie contract is guaranteed money to somebody with that kind of questionable character issues. Right. But I've said in recent articles quite a bit that the Steelers, to get over the hump and get back into championship contending status, they're probably going to have to make at least one move that's outside of their comfort zone. It's out of character for the organization. And does maybe not their 
you know, normal means of operations. This could be that. Because how often are you going to have a, a season whereas the most talented guy in the draft, who in a normal year without the off-field issues, would be the top overall selection? Right. And, you know, they say, well, the quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Well, again, Bryce Young is tiny. Uh, C.J. Stroud's from Ohio State who doesn't put out great quarterbacks or hasn't mm-hmm. yet. Right. So every other prospect has questions either physically or performance, whereas he, like, you know, he only had three sacks this year. You would look at that and say, well, he's, he's more of a run defender. That's right. not the case. He dealt with knee injuries and ankle injuries all year long. He could have easily shut it down and said, okay, I'm just going to focus on my draft positioning. You know, mm-hmm. not risk further injury. But he kept coming back because he wanted to play on that national championship team. Right. That says something about his intensity. So the fact that Peter King writes it, and I believe he had to hear it from the Steelers, that made me have to reevaluate my decision and what I thought. Uh-huh. And like I said, my whole point is they're eventually going to have to take a risk to get enough generational talent. Cause like we're talking about a lot of guys, which we will hear in a little bit that's available out at free agency. The problem is all these guys got a monster max level contract. How many max level guys can you have on the Steelers defense? They're top heavy the way it is. Yeah. And they, yeah. You, you're going to bring in more max level guys. You got <laughs> to start filling these positions on defense with draft picks. Because yeah. unless you're planning on cutting Hayward or, or, or what in the very near future, you're going to have to start signing some guys, drafting some guys that can come in and become max level talent, but you can't sign them because the, the money just won't be there. So I, I've, I have to put Carter back into consideration thinking outside the box. Again, that high risk, high reward maneuver that I think the stores will eventually have to do. No, I agree. I agree. And as far as the off the field issue stuff, just to kind of explain a little bit about that to everybody. um, He was involved in a race in which one of his teammates who was racing alongside him in another vehicle crashed and it was a fatality involved in there with both passengers and or with the passenger and the driver in that vehicle. So he wasn't necessarily, you know, uh, in that vehicle. And I think the charges that have come up against him are, are both misdemeanor charges. So he's not going to be going into, uh, you know, facing criminal charge, uh, criminal time or being time in jail. No, and so but he but, left the scene of the accident. He did leave the scene of the accident. That, that's, and, you know, what if he could have helped? You know, True. what if if you if you leave because you don't want to get in trouble uh, or don't want it to affect your draft position, but you might get to help get somebody out of the vehicle. They might. You know, that that shows a lack of maturity and questionable decision making. It, it definitely does. And that's not the only time that he's gotten in somewhat of a trouble with the law when it comes to his vehicle. There's been a couple of videos that have surfaced where he's been pulled over for speeding at a tremendous amount of speed. Yeah. And so uh, those things do count. And, and those are going to be some character issues that the Steelers will need to factor into their decision. Now, when it comes to him not wanting to you know, be with a team outside of the top 10, Drew Rosenhaus came out and stated that they had asked teams if they were that were outside of the top 10 if they were interested or, or thinking about 
trading up for him. And that was, they didn't get a positive response from that. So mm -hmm. they, he still, still feels that he's going to be a top 10 draft pick. So that might be why uh, they're only looking at teams that are possibly going to get him. However, you know, you want to make those trips. You want to, you know, build that um, possibility there. You know, you look at a lot of the players that the Steelers have gone in free agency and 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 picked up that were at one point, you know, come in on a draft uh, visit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they get to know each other. They get to know each other on a personal level. That way, if there's ever an opportunity later in the future to make that business deal, you know, the, the likelihood is higher. And so I think he is kind of hindering himself by not visiting around and going to places, you know, showing up, like you mentioned earlier, nine pounds uh, heavier and, and slowed down. Yeah, I get the whole off the field issues, but, you know, if it takes that big of a toll on you that you you, you can't finish your workout a few weeks later, then then, yeah, the. Um, maybe perhaps the top 10 isn't where he needs to, or the Steelers don't may need not to go there. Uh, I saw a comment in here. The Steelers are still hurting from the last time that they moved into the top 10 from a player who I'm not <laughs> sure if you had seen this, but, but uh, Devin Bush had recently stated he was not sure why the Steelers did not pick up his fifth year option. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of reasons why he just may not see him. Um, what but do he you also think answered his own question? Oh yeah. He said, that the Stiller, that Seattle was a complete 180 from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So he answered his own questions because he never fit in in Pittsburgh. No. His his intensity level, his toughness, his maturity. He was he was a you know had a, his dad was about a former player, right. and and he was coddled, and he was told his whole life how great he is, and he didn't have that hard, you know, nosed old school type mentality that the fans in Pittsburgh love and get behind. When they asked him last year, he said, well, you know, do you think these last few games of the season is really important for your Steelers future and your NFL career? He's like, I'll be playing somewhere. I mean, that shows you, you know, his personality. So he might fit in in Seattle, but he didn't fit in in Pittsburgh. No, he didn't. Not at all. The other question that comes up with Carter is he's going to be replacing possibly a guy like if he does get picked up by the Steelers, he'd be replacing a guy like Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward's a little bit taller than him. Uh, he's six foot five, 300 pounds to, to Jalen Carter, six foot three. Um, do, you, do you put much stock into that as far as the height aspect and, and the, the his stature, so to speak. I know Aaron Donald's a little bit on the shorter end and he's a great talent. Um, but, you know, Aaron Donald only comes once in a, no in a lifetime. So, <laughs> you know, just to see it happen again, what are your thoughts first and foremost on that? You think there's might be a lot of attention here that maybe uh, isn't going to end up coming out on the, in the NFL field. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody said it here. Carter is only 6'3". He's legit 6'3", but he's like 3'14", which he could, probably needs to play around 3'05", you know, to be in his peak condition. But he does have longer arms than a lot of guys his height. He has – so that'll help him, you know. But if you watched him at Georgia, there was only a couple of guys that ever really contained him power-wise. His strength – he dominated in the SEC. Right. And he got where he wanted to go. 
because he was just that fast, had that quick first step, that explosiveness. He's that kind of athlete. So only against the upper echelon of power guards are they going to be able to handle him. Everybody else, uh, you know, he's going to be able to manhandle. And if they can match up with him, which we've seen when Cameron Haywards went up against Quentin Nelson for the Colts and some of them great matchups, even if a guy can match Hayward's power, he'll use his pass rush moves or his savvy to get around them. You know, he, he still is effective. He gets penetration. And that's the kind of guy that Carter is. So um, I, I think that Carter is, would be, if I was trying to find a guy that could come in and try to duplicate a lot of what Cam Hayward has done and has given the Steelers, Carter's one of the few guys I could see being capable of doing that. That's true. That is true. And, you know, it now boils down to the last question when it comes to possibly doing that is what is the compensation that you'd have to give up to move into the number nine pick? Are you giving up that 32? Are you giving up 49? Are you going to have to give up a, a another pick next season? Um, it's, it is roughly eight spots. And the unfortunate part about it is you're not just competing to move up. You're also competing against other teams and what they're willing to give. And so if you have a team that's a little bit higher, you know, and usually picking up in the draft, that might seem, you know, more advantageous for the Bears. I mean, you look at what the Steelers did with Chase Claypool. They decided to trade him to the Chicago Bears instead of the Green Bay Packers because they figured they would probably get a better compensation back for it. And so those are the things that you have to factor in. Do you think that um, what do you think what kind of draft capital do you think the Steelers would have to give up in order to move into the top ten? I'm not really good on draft capital as far as uh, what moving up so many spots, you know, how much it's going to cost. So I I follow and read a lot. We have guys on our own site that are really good at that. Right. And so I'll listen to them and read their stuff. I'm hearing a lot of that they get package 17 and 49 should be uh, the 1,285 or something like that points that the, right. that nice picks is worth. Uh, and if they, if you really think that Carter is that generational guy, I could see them maybe doing that. Uh, or we talked to before, uh, Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon, or uh, Paris Johnson, the, the left tackle out of Ohio State. Any of those guys, if you feel like that's what you're getting, then I could see that. They also could do the, the 17th pick and uh, a second next year. But again, like you said, the Steelers, looking at the way they're constructing this team, will probably be at least as good next year, if not better, record-wise. Right. And so the draft pick, it might be about the same next year, but it might be later in the draft. Exactly. So that's that's probably more likely. So I think if they try to move up, it would have to be 17 to 49. No way would I include 32. Exactly. I wouldn't either. I think that that's a fantastic pick to have yeah um you, you i mean i personally don't want the steelers to move up <laughs> even for jalen carter I, I like where they're at three picks in the top 50 i feel that there's still quite a bit of holes on this team you know our question uh today is are the steelers you know a successful draft away from being a super bowl contender and you know i don't i don't know if they are if they lose up capital in this draft you know, I know last season, Deontay Johnson, you know, used the word rebuilding early on in the season. 
Is it possible that if the Steelers have a good draft this season, that that rebuilding year was only one year? Maybe, you know, I think they've done some great things uh, in free agency. They were very aggressive in free agency, picking up more players than here recently than I can remember. And so I, I think there's that possibility. Let me know in the live chat, y'all, if you guys would move up by pushing one and by pushing two in the live chat, if you wouldn't let us know, we want to hear y'all's thoughts too. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with that said, we're at the halfway point. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back on the other side, we're going to continue this conversation and, and much more. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking the possibility of the Pittsburgh Steelers moving up in the uh, upcoming 2023 draft. And, you know, if the Steelers end up having another successful draft, are they contenders? Is the rebuild season just one year? What do you think? Do you think that it's possible that the Steelers can do that? Yeah, when we was talking about that this morning, I do. Last year, I would have never thought it possible. But right. they have, DeCon and um, Waddle has done such a great job of building this team, filling needs, getting guys of character and leadership. So many of these guys they brought in were team captains. See, that's another thing we have to think about. If the Steelers of all the teams bring in, a Jalen Carter. Look at all the leadership there. You got Hayward as a mentor. You got Coach Dunbar. You got Mike Tomlin. You have all these guys that the stewards have brought in, unlike Devin Bush and unlike Miles Jacks. These guys that they brought in and Holcomb and Roberts, these guys uh, have been defensive captains at their previous, you know, employers. The team is set up as such when the Steelers had their maturity issues and all the drama that surrounded the killer bees, they really lacked leadership. And this team is built quite different. Um, Even Kenny Pickett, if you see the leadership qualities he has shown this offseason with getting guys together for workouts on their own, and the time that's been put in, and now today was the first day back in the facilities just to get to know each other, work out, you know, just go over a few things. That's all they could do. And and how many guys showed up? And yeah. it's it's so many young guys. It, you know, it's not the older guys getting them together and saying, come on in, we're going you know, it's the young guys and a guy like Kenny Pickett, who at 24 shows that incredible leadership. So – I think that bodes well for this Steelers team in that we're, if they would have drafted a 21-year-old quarterback, let's say, I'd say it might take him two to three years to be in a leadership and an experience, enough position to lead them into championship status. I think Pickett could be there, especially with what they've done to strengthen that offensive line. If they have a strong draft and get him a little bit more weapons, and, and that defense steps up a little bit. We were talking about special teams. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that they can't definitely be a playoff team. Right. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, well, I mean, you, you just look at how close they were last season. And I'm thinking with, uh, you know, a full off season. and you're, you're right, Kenny Pickett's in there day one. And so he has from this point, which he didn't have last season, to really build that camaraderie, really get 
comfortable with with his current weapons. Uh, you mentioned give him more weapons. Uh, are you thinking that the Steelers are going to still acquire perhaps a wide receiver uh, early on in the draft? I know that a lot of folks are looking at Jordan Addison as a guy that possibly could make his way back onto the, or make his way to the Steelers uh, to you know reignite that chemistry between him and Kenny Pickett. Uh, there's a guys like uh, Domingo. I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. Uh, that's also been rumored to have been with the uh, the Steelers. Amingo, not Domingo. There you go. And um, what do you think? Do you think the Steelers are going to go wide receiver early in this draft too? I, I'm thinking it has to be uh, probably third is the earliest that I see it happening. Well, at when do you think that it's possible at the earliest position? It's really going to depend on how the draft falls. Let's say that the Steelers, because of that 30-second pick, they package yeah. 17 and 49 to move up to a guy they consider a generational talent. Then right. they take that 30-second pick. They have all night to listen to offers. And, and, you know, depending on who falls in that range, teams are going to offer them, you know, a chance to for their second pick to move back a little bit and pick up a third or a fourth. And the Steelers this year does not do not have a fifth or a sixth round pick, and right. there's some guys in that range that the Steelers would probably be interested in. So they could package, they could actually make multiple trades on the first two days of the draft that would set up additional picks. Even if they do, you know, everybody's like, oh, I don't want to lose any draft capital to move up, but they could recoup that draft capital because of that thirty second pick. That is a very valuable pick uh, to have where you have that 24 hours to listen to offers. So to me, the Steelers are going to do something in the slot. And we know they like to use Firemuth out of the slot. So I think Connor Hayward's going to be the H back. And I think he'll see action in the slot, but the Steelers still need somebody in that slot with some explosiveness to work the deep scenes. And, and somebody with some flexibility, they can also step outside. People talk about Addison. I have no interest in Addison. Addison is Deontay Johnson 2.0. <laughs> he's built the same. His game's the same. He's not going to work out of the slot because he's not tough enough or big enough. So, in the slot, Jonathan Mingo, who you mentioned. Right. Um, there's Bryce Fort Wheaton. Uh, there's Mims. There's different guys that fit the size and the strength profile that the Steelers need in that slot. But another thing people don't think about, especially in Matt Canada's offense, all the end arounds and the jet sweeps and the blocking, you have to be able to block as a slot receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers because they're really going to lean heavily on this running game. So I want a more powerful, solid-built slot receiver with speed. Because I think that's the one thing that would accelerate this offense. The only thing I, other option I see is to get a tight end like Washington out of Georgia or Kuntz or one of these big guys who move well, who can give you that other option and work Firemuth predominantly out of the slot. Because right. that fits Canada's offense and what Glenn Thomas is bringing in. And but that could take this offense to the next level for sure. For sure. I think you're absolutely right there. And I think that the Steelers are going to have to target, um, 
Well, I mean, they re-signed Gentry, so he's a guy that that can block a little. You know, he's not the best blocker, but he's probably one of the better blockers on on the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as the tight end room goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not got the best the best hands, but he's 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 usable. And you have Connor Hayward, who's a little bit of a tweener between tight end and and a. Uh, a split back, maybe a half a wing back type of player who's going to get some ball carries as well. Um, I, I would definitely want to see the Steelers go in there and get a tight end. That's, you know, maybe your Matt Spade type of tight end. That's going to be big. That's going to have some good hands. You're not going to expect to throw the ball a significant amount of times to him, maybe just in the red zone where, you know, he can allow, allow his size to dictate, um, you know, getting the ball. Now, before we get off of the draft and go into other topics, um, question here by David is, uh, do you see any way possible that the Steelers trade back from 17 down going, you know, maybe to 20 or so in this draft? Or do you think there's just so many, too many needs that they don't do that in the first round? And that's something that maybe can happen in the second. Well, I'm always interested in training down to get more picks. Right. But especially in this draft, because as we talked earlier, the second to, through the fourth round, is it's really heavy. There's a lot of talent from the second to fourth round. There's not too many guys you would say are generational guys this year. Some years you have the top 10, top 12 are guys that just, you know, they're can't miss guys. There really isn't this year. And there's not a huge difference in the first couple of guys at each position and the next four or five guys at that position. So that it in most, you know, in most of the different positions in this draft class. So that gives you an opportunity if they did trade back and still get a guy that they're wanting to target, even if it was in the first round, the Steelers just don't do it. Mm-hmm. They did it with Casey Hampton. And before that, it had been forever. They just don't trade back in that first round. Right. They might trade up, which I think would be more likely than them trading back. Now, that 30-second pick, I will actually be shocked if they make the 30-second pick because I think that somebody's just going to make them an offer that in the long run will benefit them more with the multiple picks right? than whoever they would be able to take at the 30-second pick. So I, I fully expect them to trade back out of that 30-second pick. You don't think there's somebody that maybe falls to the end of the first round and the Steelers trade that 30-second pick to go back into the first? Uh, you don't see that being a possibility at, at any point? Or so you- you're saying keep 17 and then yeah. use the 30-second to trade up? Right. Um, I mean, you'd have to use some uh, obviously some other uh, other yeah. picks. You know what I'm saying? I, I just think that the only way that I think they're going to trade up it even uh, would be to get a guy who like a Carter, a Gonzalez, somebody that is that kind of maybe generational guy. Right. You know, a while back they traded back into the fifth round to take louder milk. Yeah. Which is, which has just been really underwhelming, obviously Yeah. with the, the way the roster set up right now and the needs they have, I don't expect them to trade up or back into any round. The only way I would see them acquiring a fifth or sixth round pick is if they do move back a few spots, say from 32 or from 49 to acquire additional picks. Understood. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. You know, I was just thinking that perhaps, 
you know, if the Steelers got somebody that maybe somebody was falling and they want to have that fifth year option mm-hmm. that they might be willing to do something there. Um, but, you know, with the amount of picks that uh, they have in the top 50 and the amount of holes that they have, you know, you, you look at where they've gone. You know, they've they've looked at a bunch of corners. They looked at a bunch of tackles. So you can assume just based on those two things that they're going to be picking um, those top two picks that they're going to trade back from those two. Or if they do, it's just going to be a little bit. And so, it, it, you know, you would assume that they would, um, since because of the homework that they've done, that they're looking at a few players and not giving up a lot of draft capital, for instance. Uh, they're not going to give up 49 um, to just pick up one extra pick. Um, how can I put this? Uh, in my opinion, I don't think that they're going to give up draft capital, given the amount of holes that they have, um, just for one player. There we go. That's what I'm trying to say. And so... I'm interested in this. You know, the Steelers want to get three starters out of this. And I think when you have three picks in the top 50, that you have that really good opportunity to do so. And I think that that would really make this team a contender type team. I think that if you end up losing one of those picks, um, not saying that you're done or anything like that, or the season's over or anything by any means, but it's going to make that a little bit more difficult. Uh, the Steelers want to have three players as starters. And um, I feel that that's what we're going to see here. Now, to kind of transition a little bit off of the uh, the draft, uh, other news that have came out, um, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles just signed Jalen Hurts to a $255 million deal. Now, there are two quarterbacks in the AFC North that are currently probably looking for some for a new deal, one being Lamar Jackson, who we spoke about earlier, and, um, and one being uh, Joe Burrow. How do you see this deal being affecting those two organizations? And um, I think it's one that's positive for the Steelers because when those two teams are having to give up that much capital for those one player, uh, that's going to make them hurt in other positions. And that's going to be favorable for the Steelers. What are your thoughts first on the, uh, on the signing of Jalen hurts? It's almost the salary cap went up again. So you know that this quarterback salary is going to go up. You could just basically, Ever at the beginning of every year, you just say, "Well, we're setting aside this much of our salary cap for the quarterback position." If you have one, if you have a guy that you consider your starter, even much less a franchise guy, you know you just got to set that aside, and you don't worry about it. It's the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. If you have one of those guys, though, especially a franchise guy, especially a guy who's getting the money. Jalen Hurts just got, uh, Deshaun Watson got, Lamar Jackson once, uh, Mahomes, any of them guys. You're going to be top heavy, and you're going to, it's going to affect your depth. Right. So, for a team to win a Super Bowl with a franchise quarterback, you got to have a season like Kansas City had last year. I don't think people realize how shrewd they were in their business decisions last year. And there was a, a times where the Chiefs almost had their whole starting secondary were rookies. Right. They got massive minutes from a ton of rookies in their secondary. So they had to sacrifice somewhere to pay all the top end talent they had. And it just worked out. And they had some uh, good fortune on injuries, and they have a brilliant coaching staff who was able to 
move away from the explosive highlight reel package plays they used to have with uh, Tariq Hill, and they become more of a ball control time of possession team, you know, utilize the Kelsey Juju when he was healthy and some of them guys. And again, they got, they got a seventh round running back who led him in Russia and Pacheco. So, I mean, right. you know, there, it takes good fortune, but those were also those guys they signed in that secondary. That's just great scouting. They, they picked up guys that most teams, not only did they pick them up, they developed them and got and coached them up and, and where they were effective, effectively utilized in their defensive scheme. Right. That's how you win championships. And teams cannot draft guys anymore and hold them for two years and teach them that, you know, and try to bring them in because the time you're ready to play them, you got one year. And they're getting ready to hit free agency. So I think that the the, the Chiefs are the new model. Uh, and they really tried to build a complete team. And in the NFC, it was the Eagles and Niners. That was the mm-hmm. two class teams. And again, they went, they tried to build complete teams. So that's what I think the Steelers are trying to do. I agree. I agree 100%. And, um, you know, I think when it comes time for, for the Steelers to extend Kenny Pickett, I hope they do that early in the season or early in the free agency, because one thing that you find out is the later you wait in free agency, the more that's going to cost you. You know, I think that this right here has, you know, increased the salary cap or the, or the new bar, so to speak, for these other quarterbacks that are going to be wanting their, their money, so to speak. And um, you know, if the, when the Steelers come down town to it, I think it'd be, you know, in their best interest to take care of that earlier than later. Look at what they did with Mahomes. You know, everybody looked at that contract was like, Oh man, that's crazy. It's crazy right now. It's, it's, it seems like a cheap deal. Good deal. It's, yeah, exactly. Yep. So maybe perhaps the Steelers can follow in a similar footsteps, you know, as you know, same train of thought. You know, when you think of the possibility of, you know, when it comes time to extend him now, uh, one of the other co- the quarterbacks that was involved in that conversation was Lamar Jackson. There's been some a little bit of controversy uh, referencing Lamar Jackson and former mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers Ben Roethlisberger uh, has been kind of spewing everywhere um, on Ben Roethlisberger's podcast football, and he talked about how uh, when it comes to Lamar Jackson's game, you don't necessarily fear his accuracy, but that he has a, a great running ability. The Baltimore Ravens have ran with that and tried to defend Lamar Jackson, and you've had former players come out to the defense of Lamar Jackson saying that he's, you know, the statistically might have had better games, but I think that there's more to a game than stats. You know, the first thing that's first is you have two Super Bowl rings on Ben Roethlisberger's hand and, and none on (laughs) Lamar Jackson. But what were your initial thoughts on first Ben Roethlisberger's comments on Lamar Jackson? And then uh, the retrospect, what happened afterwards? Ben is such an easy target. Yeah, I thought when he retired, I did not expect him to do anything immediate mm-hmm. because just his radio show, he infuriated so many people just by innocent comments he made because there's a, a ton of haters, especially anybody that's a fan of the Browns, the Mangles, the Ravens, or anybody else, you know, that he nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of the most successful quarterbacks in NFL history, top 10 easy, Hall of Famer. Ben Roethlisberger did not say anything derogatory about Lamar Jackson. He only said the truth. They play a little clip of his overall statement. And what he was saying is, you fear his legs and him outside the pocket far more than you fear him inside the pocket. We talked a little bit about it before the show. Lamar Jackson is a one-read guy. And if that isn't there, he starts scrambling to buy extra time. And that's when he's dangerous. When he gets out there, he can decide to run or to throw. The problem with that is, you know, everybody is trying to defend the fact that they're saying, well, nobody wants to give him one of these max guaranteed contracts like Deshaun Watson did. Well, as my mom and dad always said, if somebody jumps off a bridge, does that mean you're going to do the same thing? (laughs) No. The Browns are idiots. That was the dumbest contract I've ever seen. Why? I mean, him asking for that or expecting that kind of financial return on his next deal is unrealistic. And you're talking about a guy who what makes him special is rare athleticism. But as we know, as we get older and you take a beating and he's already had injuries the last two seasons and he's not come close to repeating his MVP season because teams are realizing, keep him in the pocket. There's a certain type of defense to play against him. You know, a lot of three safety looks and extra defense. You know, keep speed out there so he can't break him long runs and everything. And there's ways to control Lamar Jackson. Right. So why would anybody want to give him a monster guaranteed contract when he's already losing effectiveness and suffering injuries? Now that's not being mean. That's just being honest. Right. I'm all I'm all for the Ravens giving him a contract like Deshaun Watson because yeah. that will that'll be an albatross around their neck for the next however many years that contract is guaranteed for, and that benefits the Steelers. Because, honestly, Ben didn't go far enough. I would have said, I'm not scared of Lamar Jackson. I'm not scared of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens beating the Steelers on a regular basis. Because they know his weaknesses. They play him twice a season, at least, unless they play him in the playoffs. And they know how to handle him. And he was 0-2 against Ben as a starter. And I think he's 2-3 and against the Steelers in his career. And he's missed as many games as he started. So... I've been told the truth, but a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. So they made a big deal out of nothing. No, I agree. I agree 100%. And, you know, I saw some stats that RG3 brought out, and then the Baltimore Ravens website came back to his defense talking about how Lamar Jackson had, you know, statistically percentage-wise may have had a higher percentage throwing in the pocket and things of that nature. But the thing is, how many times is he throwing the ball? You know, in his career, his average attempt per game is only 23 passes per game, and he only completes 15 of them. And so, um, you know, when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, career-wise, his attempts per game is almost 34 four attempts per game. So there's a significant amount of, of attempts that are going at it, at that. If, if Lamar Jackson is throwing the ball 10 more times per game and trying to use his arm more than his legs, I guarantee you that percentage of completion is going to plummet. Because he's not a guy that's going to stand there and and read a defense. He's going to look at one guy and run if he's not open. And if if the guy is open, he's going to make that throw. So he's making high percentage uh, 
completion passes due to the fact that if it's not there, he's just going to run. Mm -hmm. And so there's some context that goes behind that. And once he kind of figure out Lamar Jackson, you know, like you just mentioned, you know, it was the Steelers have kind of had his number, even when it was duck and Mason Rudolph in there, Mason don't get knocked out and, and um, Juju don't fumble that ball. You know, I think that, he loses another game to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so yep. Yep. Uh, I don't fear Lamar Jackson either. Coach Tomlin has come out saying he don't fear him. And, you know, when you look at what other teams have started to do and kind of mimic some of the same thing by pressuring him and, and making him beat the beat them with his arm, it's not been a, uh, a good showing for him. And so and then you mentioned the health aspect of it as well. He's a guy that has been injured quite a bit, quite a bit. And, you know, it's, probably goes, you know, coin and coin with the type of style of offense that you require to run with the kind of player that he is. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they sign him and they give him a big yeah. contract <laughs> because, um, you know, he's a guy that's in my, or that they're a team in my opinion that are, are, are trending downward and will continue to trend downward um, with, uh, with Lamar Jackson there. Uh, but we'll see. Time will tell. And um, I'm looking forward to it. In fact, I think that's the game I might be going to uh, this season. So I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder and I go to at least one or two games a year. And I think this I haven't been to a Baltimore Ravens game. And, you know, uh, I, I always try to go to a game. I know the Steelers will win. So I'm probably going to yeah. go to that, <laughs> that Ravens game. Just one more shot. <laughs> but um, we're almost at 55. We're over 55 minutes here, Shannon. Do you have any final words before we uh, let everybody go? No, um. Just I would want to mention one thing mm -hmm. is everybody's watching. We just so thankful and, and appreciative. And just remember, hit that like button, you know, hit that dislike button, hit something because we can be a hero. We can be a hill, but we can't be irrelevant. That's so true. just remember to hit that like button. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. We're trying to hit 10K, guys. We want to get there before the season starts. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. You'll be uh, listening into Dave Schofield and Big Bro Sco on the uh, Big Bro Show. So with that being said, Shannon, take us out. Woo! There it is.